Um, this morning, I'm going to continue the conversation that, um, that John started last week about f- following God's voice. And, and, and let me just pray real quick before we, we, we do this this morning. So, God, I just invite you here today. I thank you that you're already here. I thank you for today. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the people that are here, people watching online. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. Thank you that you're present. You're not far away. Lord, I ask that you, your presence would be felt this morning, that we would encounter you, God, that we would feel your wraparound love this morning, Jesus. God, I ask um, that clarity and truth would come forth this morning, that, um, that your heart would come forth um, in the things that I share this morning, that you'd speak uh, directly to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, John started out... Um, by saying he was going to open things up and just kind of let them spill out. What he, what he said was he was going to vomit all over the place, and I would get to clean it up, which is, you know, I don't know what he was thinking because in our staff, you know, among our staff, I'm kind of known as the butt, so I don't know if I'm going to clean up anything. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, my heart is to be one who cleans up and, and serves in that way and just give clarity and, and, and add to and enhance things that have been said already, and so... This week, um, I'm going to be following up and zeroing in um, on some of the important things that John talked about last week, and, and hopefully I'll add to and, and, and uh, stir up hunger for more of God and more of hearing and following His voice, being able to follow His voice. So before I jump it further into today's message, and so, so I don't forget to talk about it, um, I wanted to answer a really good question that we got, I got this past week from John's message. Actually, somebody had a question for me that arose. They were watching online, and her and her spouse, and something just came up. It stirred something up, and they asked me, um, what ha-, you know, John talked about just their history and gave some t- stories of the Richter family history and how he and Kim would get together when, the, when there was something on the table and, and to ask God and really inquire of the Lord together, and the Lord would answer for them and, and for their family and through their family. But the question was, what happens when you get something different than your spouse? And, um, you know, that, that probably happens. It happens to me and Lynn all the time. Maybe it happens to you. Um, if you're a wife, some people might just say, uh, you know, just submit to your husband. Uh, if you're a husband and you tell your wife to submit to you, uh, be ready to pay with your life, buddy. <laughs> like, if you, if you say that, you better be ready to pay for, with your life there. Uh, for me, it usually depends on two things. Um, number one is how much I like being right. <laughs> and number two, how much um, I like somebody telling me that I'm wrong and that they told me so. So, you know, um, it's actually a really good question. And it isn't always answered, you know, by just whoever spent the most time praying about it is probably right. It's actually not, it's not always answered that way. Um, the truth is our passions, our desires, even daily influences all play into how we hear, right? How we hear the Lord and... My simplest answer to that question is when you hear something different than your spouse, um, when you both think you heard God saying blank, and it's different than, than the other person, instead of wrestling with each other on who's right, um, come together, right? We're a team. We're a team. So we come together and we seek more clarity. That might, that might look different ways. That might you know, come into community, ask other people to speak into it, whatever that looks like. But remember, we're a team, and you know, we are a team with your spouse, and ultimately, what you're doing is for the glory of God. You're doing this together, and for the benefit of your children, and for the benefit of those around you affected by your decisions and what, and what you follow through with. And so, 
few ways that Lynn and I have learned to do this is by inviting other people into, you know, when we, we hear something different and we, we're both kind of trying to figure out where, what to do, we bring other people into it, whatever it is, and pr pray about it. Um, sometimes we bring, it, bring them in and ask them to pray with us or pray for us. Sometimes we, you know, we share those things with them. Sometimes we uh, don't share the details with people. And what we do is we, you know, we say, we assign something. Maybe I, I heard one thing and she heard the other thing. And so I'll, I'll assign what I heard purple and she'll assign what she heard green. And I will just text somebody and say, hey, ask the Holy Spirit real quick, purple or green. And we won't give them any more information. And just, you know, ask a few people to do that and get back. And then we say, oh, okay, well, we're going to trust what, we're going to trust what the Holy Spirit said to those people, and we're going to go with that. Um, so, you know, that's, those are just some options. It's just a practical way. Community, the community aspect is, is so good, and John talked about that last week. But whatever brings you together as a team, you're not, you're not going against each other, right? We're going together to the Lord, and, and that could mean laying down preferences. That could mean, you know, thinking and making a practical plan on what, what to do, what we're going to do, and, and how to clean up a mess if what we heard is wrong, and we decide to go in that direction, and it's just wrong. So, like, how are we going to handle that together? So hopefully that's helpful, just to answer that question. I'm, I'm no, by no means an expert on hearing God. I'm learning how to grow in this myself. Uh, my desire is to be constantly learning and growing and listening and following. And my hope is that we can do a podcast, maybe John and Parker and I and maybe whoever else on our team, and just answer more of the practical ways. So if you guys have any questions, if any questions are stirred up, by last week's, by this week's message, shoot those to us. Um, you know, email them, uh, write them down, give us a card on this stuff, and we'd love to answer those things. Our desire is not just to give you a few good tips but, and bless you and move on, but our desire is to encourage and challenge and practice and develop a lifestyle of listening and following the voice of God. The whole, the whole point of these two messages is that hearing and following the Father's voice is real. It's a real thing, and we get to do this. We get to do this, and as children of a good and loving Father, we have the expectation to hear His voice every day. He wants to speak to us every single day, and, and He really likes to speak to us. That's the fact. Like He really wants to speak to you, and He, he wants to speak to you even more than you want to speak to Him. You know? He wants to speak to you even more than you want to speak to Him, and He actually enjoys having conversations with you. He, he really likes you. You know that? Like, God really likes you, and he really likes to hear what's on your... He knows, but he really likes for you to say it to him. He's not hiding from us. Though he does like it when we seek him out, he, lo he loves it when we seek him out. The writer of James instructs us in chapter 4, verse 8. He says, move your heart closer to God and he'll come even closer to you. That's a promise. We love God because he loved us first, and, and God is drawing us to himself, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit is drawing us to Jesus, and as we move closer, he moves even closer. That's right. And, and that's, a, that's amazing, and I love that. I love that so much. I encourage you to do a study on the voice of God and speaking, you know, over the last hundred years. The Lord hasn't stopped speaking. He didn't just speak 2,000 years ago to some guys that we read about and, and then just stop talking. He's continued speaking and continued speaking and continued speaking. Um, and so 
do that voice and just uh, you know study on that voice and hear what what he's been speaking the last hundred years. You're going to be you're going to be blown away by some of the powerful things that God has done in, just in the last hundred years, the history of the church. So part of what I wanted to do this morning, um, one of the one of the most amazing gifts that we've received for Isaiah, besides just practical you know everyday stuff, is this book by that Joel Gray gave, gave us for Isaiah. It's called Children, Can You Hear Me by Brad Jerzak. And I'm gonna, I wanted to just read a lot of this to you guys this morning, but I just decided to read the first two pages um, because it's really good, and hopefully we'll have some, some pictures of this. So, so Brad writes this book um, kind of as Jesus, from the voice of Jesus, two children, so you get to read this to your children. And it says, the first page here says, Children, can you hear me? Of course you can. Just call on me, and I'll answer you. Some call me God or Lord. Others call me Jesus. What do you call me? You can call on me by praying. Praying is talking to me, just like you talk to your friends. When you talk to me, I hear you and answer you. I come to you and show myself to you. It's kind of like show and tell. That's a great verse from Jeremiah 33 there. It says, whenever you call me, I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and wonderful things that will surprise you. The next page, Jesus says, you won't usually hear me with your ears or see me with your eyes, although I might surprise you. But, you, but your heart will see me. Your heart will hear me. Your heart will know me. That's because I made you. Jesus said, my father loves anyone who loves me. I love you too, and I'll show myself to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open and bright. Then you'll see the free gifts God has planned to give you. They are rich and glorious, and they belong to you. There's a whole lot more of really good stuff in there. And I, I highly recommend this book for anybody who's parents or grandparents to pick it up and read to your, to your kids. Uh, there's really actually some really cool stuff in the back, practices that you can take with your kids to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord even better. It's really awesome. Thanks, Joel. God loves to speak to us. We're human beings, right? We're complex, integrated people. We have layers. We have parts. We have a soul. We have a spirit. We have a body. We have a mind. We have a heart, you know, all within here. <laughs> all those things are happening here. We have testimonies, right? We have stories. We have personal history uh, of things that have nurtured us, have shaped and formed us. Um, we have, each have a way that we view the world around us. God loves every part. And he loves to speak to every part. He designed us so that he could speak to every single part of us. And through every single part of us. Through physical senses, through our emotions, through our th inner thoughts and dreams and our imagination. Um, he, and through our experiences, he loves to speak. He loves to express himself. Um, he loves to speak about his great love for you. He loves to speak about his great love for you. He li likewise, he loves to speak about his truth and wisdom and power and majesty he does it through so many ways, creation, through beauty, through um, art, through people around us every day, through prophets and in stories and music. Um, all the ways that the human heart can be moved, God loves to speak. His favorite way to speak to us is through Jesus. His favorite way to speak to us is through Jesus. Last week, John told us his story of hearing the voice of God for the first time. And just to show of hands, how many people have a similar story? If you heard John's message last week, like, I think a lot of us do. 
Um, I want to point out something important about what John said in his story. It was reading the Bible. John talked about how the Word, how Scripture produces the capacity to hear and the ability to hear. To learn and grow in discerning what I believe is the voice of the Lord speaking around us and within us, we need to develop a pattern of being able to hear. And this happens, like John said, by reading Scripture, by reading the Bible. John said he started um, reading Scripture and the Father started to reveal himself to him and the cycle went on. His capacity to hear God's voice was increased. As he read more, the Lord spoke more. And he read more and the Lord spoke more. And like he began to recognize and hear that voice. I want to focus in here and add and build off what John said last week. And I believe it's really important for us today. Um, here at the start of 2021, um, how many people listen to podcasts? Yeah. So Apple, like, you know, how they have their charts and what's their top of their charts for their podcasts were. And so this, at the beginning of 2021, Ascension, it's a Catholic group, um, their it was number one on Apple Podcasts, was reading the Bible through the year. Reading the Bible, the whole Bible in a year. Um, this is awesome. That means there's a hunger and stirring in people to read and reread Scripture. That's a good thing. We want, we want that to happen. That's, that's important, especially for today, for what we're going through today. And read it and it, read the Bible in its entirety. We need this. We, we need to soak ourselves in Scripture and in words and and, and, and eat that stuff up, and how we, and we need to do that. But we want to need to do that rightly. We want to be able to do that rightly and understand and read and discern correctly. And we do that, again, by knowing Jesus. So Israel had a, you know, through, the, through Scripture, starting at the beginning and reading through, Israel had a progressive revelation of God. Does everybody know what that means? Progressive revelation of God. Um, just simply, it's, it is an understanding that what is known and expressed about God and his nature and his plans and his kingdom um, was, was shown throughout all of Scripture, right? And first we see it, and it's kind of obscure. It's kind of fuzzy. It's kind of hard to understand. What does this clearly mean? And then as we go on, we see clearer and clearer, 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 clearer. And then the clearest that we see is when Jesus comes. That's the clearest we see the nature of God. It's the clearest we understand his heart, understand his kingdom, his plans. Um, so starting with Abraham, you know, Israel's history, starting with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, judges, prophets, and then finally John the Baptist. There's this um, progressive revelation of the, of the heart of God. And I want to talk about John the Baptist real quick. Because John the Baptist was... What Jesus said, it was the greatest man ever born of a woman. And he was the last of the old covenant prophets. His message summed up the progressive revelation of God seen throughout the story so far. He knew God. He followed God. He was, he was labeled the voice crying out in the desert. Like he was the voice of God crying out in the desert. You know, prepare the way of the Lord. Um, we can, there's a lot we can pull out just a few chapters about John the Baptist, right? There's like, not very many, but, but we can pull out a lot from just those few chapters, summing up the relationship between him and God and between Jesus and John the Baptist. And as a baby, says, John leapt in his, in his mother's womb when he heard about Jesus, his cousin. He, he jumped, he leapt in the womb because he was so excited about Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. John's whole life, as far as we know it, he had his heart focused 
on the words of God. And as soon as he saw Jesus coming to be baptized, right, he recognized him and he, and he knew exactly, hey, that's the Messiah. As soon as he saw him, he's like, that's the one. That's the one I've been speaking about. This is the one who's coming. And so let's, let's pick up something here. There's an amazing passage that we usually miss that describes what I think is one of a, a really incredible um, prophetic shift in Scripture. And so um, let's turn to John chapter 3. So we're going to turn to John chapter 3, um, verse 25. Actually, I'm going to pick up a little bit earlier, but you can pick up in verse 25. I'm going to pick up at 22. Then Jesus and his disciples went out for a length of time into the Judean countryside where they baptized people. At this time, John was still baptizing people at Anon near Salim, where there was plenty of water, and the people kept coming to John to baptize, to baptize them. This was before John was thrown into prison. An argument then developed between John's disciples and a particular Jewish man about his baptism. So they went to John and asked him, Teacher, are you aware that the one you told us about, Jesus, um, is, is at the crossing place and he's now baptizing everyone with larger crowds than yours? People are flocking to him. What do you think about that? John answered them, A person cannot receive even one thing unless God bestows it. You have heard me tell you before that I am not the Messiah but certainly I am the messenger sent ahead of him. He is the bridegroom, and the bride belongs to him. I am a friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with great joy at the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. Let me just pause there real quick. John's joy was made complete and overflowed because he heard from Jesus. The voice that he heard from Jesus was the voice that he loved. It was the voice that he had been pursuing in the desert. It had been the voice that he had been speaking about all his life. That was the voice of Jesus. And when he hears the bridegroom's voice, his joy is complete and it's overflowing. So next here, picking up um, in verse 30, this is the prophetic shift I'm talking about here. So it is necessary for him to increase and for me to be diminished. For one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks from the natural realm. But the one who comes from above is above everything and speaks of the highest realm of all. His message is about what he has seen and experienced, even though people don't accept it. Yet those who embrace his message know in their hearts that it's truth. The one whom God has sent to represent him will speak the words of God. For God has poured out upon him the fullness of the Holy Spirit without limitation. The Father loves his Son so much and all things have been given into his hands. The one who trusts the Son possesses eternal life. For those who not, do not obey the Son will not see life. And God's anger will rise up about against them. Another translation that I was reading says, For those who trust the Son possess eternal life. But those who do not cling to the Son. Cling, that means like intimately wrapped up in the sun, holding on to the sun, um, they'll not see life, and, and that wrath continues to rest upon them, not understanding the Father's heart. This is amazing. The greatest prophet of the Old Covenant, John the Baptist, speaking truth and realizing that his ministry and message must decrease, must decrease, so that Jesus and his ministry 
then his message can increase. Jesus speaks the word, words of God because he's the word made flesh. And so this is really important, right? Jesus is the way that we hear the Father. And he's the clearest picture of what the Father is like. So not too much later um, in John's life, he, he goes through something that I'm sure that most of us would go through probably if we were in prison. <laughs> you know, if we got thrown in prison, we, we might have a similar um, thing happen in our hearts. So turn over to Matthew 11, 2 through 6, and we'll continue in, in John's story here. Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6. Now while John the Baptist was in prison, he heard about Je what Jesus was doing among the people. And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you really the one who prophesied would come, or should we wait for another? Jesus answered them, Give John this report. The blind see, the crippled walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the poor and broken now hear the good news. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose faith in me, no matter what happens. So what's happening here? John's throw, thrown into prison for confronting Herod, King Herod and his family, about some sin, <laughs> sins that they're doing. And scholars say John was in prison for about a year, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And in this time, I imagine he began to grow weary in prison. I would. Um, possibly, you know, him knowing that his death was upon him. He might have, you know, had some inclination that was going to happen. He probably began recalling old scriptures and, um, you know, prophecies in Isaiah and combined with the swirling beliefs um, the current beliefs that the Jews had about, you know, at that time about the coming Messiah, he fell probably back on some of those things, just being in that place and how the enemy tries to ham, you know, th throw lies at us. Um, but the, with the current political viewpoint was that a political leader would come and overthrow their enemies. This had been prophesied. And, and so the current enemy is the, uh, the empire of Rome that's ruling over Israel and much of the known world at the time. And and so this is what's happening, and John's feeling these things, and John sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he really is the chosen one. That same John who we just read about <laughs> said all these amazing things, pointed out he's the one, right? I must, I must decrease, he must increase. This is the one, <laughs> same John the Baptist is now having this internal, like, Jesus, are you really who you said you are? <laughs> are you really who I thought you were? Because of, fame, uh, because of pain and fear and, and, and clinging maybe onto an old picture of God versus the true picture that John himself had seen, John wasn't able to think and see things clearly. He was waiting for something that just wasn't going to happen the way he thought it would. And so Jesus is assuring John, assuring us that the message that he brings is from the Father. Life wholeness, freedom, liberty, healing, salvation, not judgment and wrath, but his kingdom, true power and authority and justice and mercy. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who can embrace the fact that God is way better than you thought he was. Blessed are those who, who, who realize that God's way better than you thought he was and, and he's way more joyful than you thought he was. And, and, and those who remain unoffended by what God's doing and when God does things differently than they thought he was going to do them, you're going, to, you're going to be blessed. If you can cling on and not become offended. What does this mean? What am I trying to get here? Jesus must be our anchor when reading scripture. 
because he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. And so we might have an expectation that God might be like this. We might put him in a box, but Jesus blows up that box every time. This is important because when we read Scripture, we have to know that Jesus, it's Jesus Christ who we follow, right? We're Christians, right? Um, we, we are not Orthodox Jews, though I love Orthodox Jews, and they, they help me understand Jesus better. <laughs> you, but you and I, are not, are, we're not replacing the people of Israel. We are the people of Jesus, right? And we follow him. We follow his words. We follow his actions. We follow his commands. We follow his ways. And when we read and meditate and pray and, and, and soak up in Scripture, we must become focused on Jesus. And ask the Holy Spirit to help us use Jesus as our measuring line for everything that we read in Scripture. So don't hear what I'm not saying, like Parker said. Everything else in here is beneficial. Everything else in here is beneficial. It's all truth, right? There's no question about that. It's all truth. But it helps us to, I mean, it all helps us to understand God and, and recognize His voice. But what I'm saying here is that the words in red, you know, are going to help you hear the Father the clearest. The rest are all important, Holy Spirit inspired, but Jesus is the clearest way that we recognize God. And when you understand the red, you see Jesus didn't throw out the old stuff. He enhanced it and clarified it. He brought it into the fullness of what it, me what it meant and what, what it means. He fulfilled it. He accomplished it. So just a few more passages in case you're not convinced before moving on. Hebrews 1.3 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and in many fragmented times, in many different and partial ways. But now in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. God has chosen his son to be the owner, the, inher the in inheritor of all things, and, and through him, he made the, wor the world. The sun reflects, radiates, and shines forth the glory of God and shows exactly what God is like. Exactly what God is like. He's the imprint. He's the stamp. He's the, the essence, the, the being, the nature of the Father. The writers of the Old Testament had a picture. They had glimpses. They had truth. But Jesus shows clearly, without a doubt, what God is like. This is most important when we read through Scripture. When we're listening, learning to listen to the voice of God. Because David, right? David's a man after God's heart. And we read the Psalms, and I love Psalms. I love them so much. These songs that he's pouring out, and he has this prophetic picture of Jesus. You know, he sees Jesus, and, and, he, and he'll write something so amazing of the heart of God, and then he'll say, and kill all my enemies. <laughs> the next verse, right? <laughs> but Jesus gives the clear picture and says, love your enemies, bless those who, who hurt you, right? Pray for them, love them. It's a full picture of the heart of God. This is really important. Paul, when talking about the Jews in the Old Covenant, in 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, for to this day the same veil remains at the reading of the Old Covenant. It has not been lifted because only, Christ can re can, only in Christ can it be removed. That means like, for the, for, the, for the Jews and for, for others, if we don't, and even for us, there can be a veil when we read the Old Covenant if we don't read it through the lens of Jesus. 
There can be a veil over our eyes. We might, we might interpret things wrong. That, you guys know that? That's a, it's a reality that can happen. That we could interpret. We could be so focused on something and not use Jesus to interpret it and then just develop this wrong habit of thinking about who God is around people, around the people around us. We need to be aware that if we meditate on an unclear picture of God, we can end up hearing his voice. Unclear. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the exact imprint of God. No one gets to the Father except through him and through understanding the Son and, and, and going through him. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created. is supreme over all creation. The Father said, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Right? Jesus is transfigured on the mount. Elijah and Moses are there. Whoa. But the Father says, listen to Jesus. He's my beloved Son. Listen to him. Jesus says in John 14 and 15, he says, my Father loves anyone who loves me. I love you too, and I'll show myself to you. Instead of being my servants, I'm going to call you my friends now. I'm going to share with you the deep things in my heart, the deep secrets of the Father, because I love you, and I'll tell you everything that the Father tells me. That's a promise for you and I as well. And so if we, you know, if we want to discern what we're hearing really is from God, it better sound like Jesus. If we want to discern that rightly, it better sound like Jesus. And so I highly encourage you guys to check out some of the blog posts Parker has been putting out lately about discernment and, and, and what, that, what it really means diving into that thing in our everyday lives in bigger areas. Because we need to know the voice. That if we're going to follow it, we need to know that voice, right? If we're going to follow God, we need to know the voice. And so just like to conclude, and I want to just talk about following the voice of Jesus. There's two major areas that are really in my heart when it comes to following the voice of God. The first is following the voice of Jesus might mean not following any other voices. In fact, it means not following any other voices. It means following the voice of Jesus. And so my friend Isaac Bennett, um, he's a pastor out in Kansas City, um, he wrote about this topic last year. He said, in the Christian life, it's essential that our confidence be derived from the work of redemption as revealed in the word of God. Our sense of confidence springs from the inner value system of the heart. What Christians truly find their confidence in often comes to where their fears and joy, joys lie. For example, if we find ourselves engrossed in the opinion of others and concerned with, the garnering, with garnering more favor with those perceived as powerful or influential, it's likely we've derived our sense of confidence um, from something other than Jesus. Scripture calls this the fear of man. When Christian confidence is derived from an affiliation with a particular group or person or institution, we end up making that thing the leading voice that we listen to. We often, often these affiliations easily build an idol where the Lord wants an altar. An idol is something that parades as God, whereas an altar is where man meets with God to worship him. So what he's saying is basically, don't listen to other voices. Don't make them an idol. They, they might have really good things to say, but, but we're listening to Jesus and we're coming to the altar to, to meet with Jesus and to worship Jesus, not making somebody else's voice the, the leading thing that we listen to. I love prophets. I love prophetic people. I love the word that John read last week by Dan Muller. It was so good. And there, there's literally thousands and hundreds of thousands of prophetic voices you could listen to right now. <laughs> there are. They're just, that's, that's, that's just 
truth. Like, turn on Facebook, and there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of voices you could listen to. And, and that, there's a good and bad of that, right? Like, the good is that the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Every person can prophesy. Every person here in this room can prophesy. Everybody watching can prophesy. That's a good thing. We want that, right? Everybody has the ability to hear from God and then speak from God. That, that's what we want. And, and we need that community around us. We need to be hearing from other people. Um, we're made for community. And, but the bad, obviously, then, you know, besides when we get it wrong, um, is that we, end up re- we can end up relying on other people to speak to us for God rather than going and hearing God for ourselves. Like, that's the bad part. Like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to just neglect being intimate with the Lord, neglect pursuing Jesus and just get, you know, be spoon-fed or get fast food from whoever's voice is the loudest in the moment, right? We don't want to just do that. When, when others speak, what they declare, what they prophesy should enhance, it should edify, it should emphasize what God has already been saying to us. Unless it's like a word of direction, like it should be something that, you know, we've already been having a dialogue with the Lord and they're just adding to it, you know. They're enhancing those things. Um, and so it shouldn't be the opposite of what the Lord's already been speaking. We have the permission to, re- to reject the prophetic word. Every person here has the permission to reject a prophetic word or statement that does not make God bigger, better, and more beautiful. You have that permission. I believe that there's going to be, a, a, and there is, a, a reformation coming to the prophetic. Um, and then rather, have, you know, rather than focusing on predictive words um, that everybody on Facebook you know, shares with each other, um, I truly believe that we need and we'll see prophetic voices focusing on leading people back into intimacy with Jesus. And helping them understand how to do that. And, and teaching them how to hear and read the word. Read scripture. Alongside the tension between that amazing truth that we can all prophesy and, and people uh, not listening to God for themselves, we run into another tension. Um, and much like the question I talked about earlier at the beginning that, that I was given about what happens when you and your spouse hear different things, right? Um, that's not just a thing that happens between a relationship between a husband and wife. That can happen between a staff team, right? That can happen between friends and a small group. Like, it can happen between our relationships. It can happen between churches, right? Um, what happens when this person believes they hear something from God and this person or this group feels like they hear something from God and they're opposite? What happens then? Um, well, we need to, uh, you, know, what ha- you know, what happens with Parker has something that, like this close, you know? What happens if he has something and I have something and it's different? And it might be like butting heads, what we're hearing. But what are we going to do about that? Again, we're made for relationship. So we say, hey, I'm not going to go against you. I'm going to come alongside you and together let's go to the Lord and find out what's truth. Let's go here and see what weighs, what weighs against this. What weighs against what Jesus says. Second important thing, just to wrap up, is, is about following the voice of God. Um, I felt like the Holy Spirit was putting this on my heart for this morning, was the fact that following his voice, so once we've heard it, once we can recognize it, once we can dis- discern it, following his voice means developing a lifestyle of obedience. Right? So we're not just hearing the words God's speaking. We're listening, we're taking them in, being transformed by them, 
and we're walking out in obedience to what he's saying. James 1, 2 says, be not only listeners, but doers of the word. Here's some good reasons to develop a life of obedience. The first reason is when you're obedient, you walk with God. You walk closer with God as a friend, right? He trusts you with more things. <laughs> he can trust you, you know, the more you're obedient, you walk alongside with God. Instead of him being far off and saying, hey, come on, come on. Like, you're walking alongside. We're walking hand in hand together. Another reason is increased capacity. Obedience leads to faith, which leads to obedience, which leads to faith. It's an upward cycle from going from glory to glory. We're, we're, I'm obedient to what I hear. Faith rises up. I can step out in those things to be more obedient. And then more faith happens, and then I can step out in obedience for more things as the Lord calls me into deeper and deeper things and, and riskier situations, as we like to say in the vineyard. Another thing that happens when we're obedient, or a reason to be obedient, is when you're obedient, you'll be blessed. While God loves and shows favor to every single one of his children and people, scripture is, that, scripture is clear that there's an inherent blessing that comes as a result of choosing to be obedient. The Lord's pouring out his favor upon every single person, but as we walk into obedience, we're blessed even more. There's a specific blessing that comes with walking in obedience, and we all want to do that. Another fourth reason is when you're obedient, you're choosing God's best. So how many people know that, like, the difference between good things and bad things, right? But then there's, like, God's perfect thing, and sometimes a good thing, what we think of as a good thing and is a good thing can be an enemy of God's perfect and best thing. And so when we're choosing to be obedient, we're saying, I'm going to go for, the, for what you have, the highest thing. I'm not going to go for these other good things, that, even though they're good. I'm going to go for the highest thing, the best thing that you have. God. I'm going to lay down all my other options, and I'm going to go for the best thing that you have. When you're obedient, you're trusting God to be God. And you say, listen, I know my limitations here, and I'm going to be obedient, but I know I can't rely on my own strength. I know that my strength goes this far, and, and I'm going to let you be God, and I'm going to be obedient, but you've got you to meet me here. And he, he wants to meet us there. Lastly, another reason is, um, there's probably many more reasons, but when we walk in obedience to the voice of God, we embody the living word. We embody Jesus. Right? He didn't do anything that he didn't see the Father doing. So as we, as we walk in obedience, we get to embody the living word. We get, to be, we get to become the word made flesh in a way. You know, We're not Jesus, but we get to, to embody that word. That's amazing. I want to I do that. All right, so let's just stand up real quick. I'm going to pray and we're going to go into worship. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you that all things, that you said all things have been given to you by the Father. They're yours. And you said because of this, the Holy Spirit will take what's yours and they'll reveal it to us. He'll reveal it to us, God. So I ask right now, Father, that you would, you would take those things that are Jesus's, you would Breathe your spirit upon us this morning. 
You would bring those things to us through your spirit right now. We want to know and hear and follow and obey your voice, God. Increase our capacity to grow in this, God. God, I just ask right now that you would free up time in people's schedules to get into Scripture if they're not already doing it. To get in there, to realize, hey, you want to meet me here, God. Will you begin to encounter us in your word? In Jesus' name, amen.